Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Kristen. I'm your host and life coach, and this is Modern Day Asians. Hello everyone, this is Kristen. You're listening to Modern Day Asians. Today I have a special guest for you. Her name is Jen Tren, and she is a human design expert. So I have so many questions around um, what that is and wanted to share this wisdom for you all because it really helped her navigate her journey as a third culture kid um, and figure out how she can live her life authentically. I think as a, a person living in this third space, there's a lot of expectations that's thrown out to us, especially with uh, parental expectations and people telling us what we should or shouldn't do. But one interesting fact for Jen is that she's been traveling around the world for the last seven years um, teaching, and um, now she is focused on the human design piece. So we're going to open this conversation up with um, the just the beginning of her of her childhood, um, so that we can get a basic background of like you know what her upbringing is like. Um, so before I jump into that, I'm just going to invite Jen to come on. Hey, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to have this chat and to share some of my experiences and connect with yourself and the audience as well. So um, as you can probably hear from my accent, I'm from Australia. So I was born and raised in Sydney. Um, my parents, um, my dad's Vietnamese and my mom's Chinese. And obviously they migrated um, to Australia post the Vietnam War period. So they were refugees turned migrants. And um, if you know anything about Sydney, I grew up in a little town called Cabramatta. And in this town is basically where a lot of the Vietnamese and Asian refugees um, settled um, when they migrated to Australia in the 70s. So there's like a huge Asian community um, in Sydney. And I basically grew up around that community. So I, I don't know if I would call it sheltered, but certainly I was not exposed to the greater like wider Australia because you're in this community and everybody speaks um, some sort of, uh, you know, Chinese or Vietnamese Asian language and you grow up around like just, you didn't understand the concept of like racism or any like indifference because you were just around your people. Mm -hmm. um so that that's the context that I grew up in it, and it wasn't until like I left high school and kind of went on to tertiary education and university when I like realized well the world's a bit different than what I thought it was and this is like a really common experience or story that um you know a lot of us um first generation you know um experience um in this context so yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, with your background and uh, I've heard from another previous podcast, but what I'm curious about is what your role as the eldest sibling was, because I think that that plays a lot into who you need to be. And um, especially since you chose the path to continue um, higher education, but what was kind of taught to you by your parents? and um, their expectations for you? 
Yeah, I think being the eldest and also the eldest daughter, there's like, you feel like there's a lot of responsibility on you to like um, model or be, be a role model basically for your younger siblings and carry on in a way that is, um, I guess, culturally um, accepted or socially accepted in within the Asian culture and that's kind of that was like really hard for me to grapple because obviously I was born and raised in Australia but like at home I have like an, another part of me that's like deeply rooted in my culture and traditions as well so I think um, I call it like an identity crisis you know because you're like wait what, 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 what is my role here am I supposed to be independent free-flowing and just going for what I want or should I be falling and meeting these expectations that have been put on to me mm-hmm. and so I kind of had to balance that a lot um you know growing up and then into my early adulthood as well mm-hmm. yeah I I experienced that too as well I'm the oldest um and I'm also the, the oldest sister so um I think there's a lot of pressure of being a role model but also taking over some of those caretaker roles mm. too as well because of the female gender but um that had to come along with the package of expectations so it's it was just a lot um to it was a lot given at such a young age um as I think about and reflect reflect on my childhood there wasn't a lot of time for play it was just like hey you're responsible for your siblings and if they don't act in line we're spanking you (laughs) yeah yeah and and it's it's a lot to put on a young girl you know what I mean and then you grow up with that intrinsically embedded into your psyche that you are responsible and I don't know about you but I carry that through my adult life where I feel responsible for people around me and I also think like being a teacher as well that's part of it but a lot of it came from my childhood where I just felt responsible for making sure my siblings were doing the right thing that they were okay and this huge thing and I don't know Kirsten you can um let me know but do you experience this thing called the Asian daughter guilt have you heard of that before um tell me specifically what you mean by that <laughs> I have a lot of guilt it's- so <laughs> I was introduced to this by another friend of mine who's um, also the eldest daughter and then she had also moved abroad and um, she was saying to me you know my parents every time I go back to go back home they always like ask me when am I getting married you know when I said no like when am I having grandchildren rah, rah, rah. and she's like this is the Asian daughter guilt like a guilt trip because you're not fulfilling your roles as you know an Asian a good Asian daughter. Yes, I think I saw like a video on TikTok or something like that. And the guy was like interviewing um, gender roles in like China, just like in a big city or whatever. And the question was, oh, how come like there was a stipulation for Asian, especially Chinese descent females that if you're not married by the time you're 30, you're left over. You're basically like the the bottom of the chip bag like the crumbs that (laughs) no one wants to eat and and there's a couple of exceptions like obviously if you're 30 and you're you happen to be very successful you can lean on that as being a reason like okay 
you're still kind of associated with like, oh, something might be wrong with you because you're um, 30 plus and you're not married, that you're just leftover goods at this point. Um, but it is the opposite for men where men is like, okay, they have eternity. They can have just another decade of time and their reasoning is just like okay well men mature later so they need more time to like grow into their you know their shoes and there's a lot more acceptance and timing for the men so you know there's still a lot of like thinking like that too but I just want to throw that in there too but yes I do feel um that is a question that is brought up all the time at family gatherings. Um, so yeah, I, I, I experienced that for sure. I do. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, um, I I think I'm past that point now. I think heading up to my thirties that there was a lot of that thrown at me and I used to be so defensive and triggered about it because I obviously wasn't like understanding myself fully or like my resolve. And then after 30, I was just like, y'all, like, I'm part of a different wave of women and um, and this wave of women, this generation, there's not many of us, but we're still here and we're, we're like moving this forward. We're changing this narrative. And I think the more we as women um, generally, but also Asian women lean into that, you know, the more we become like resolved in that, in that within ourselves and know that this is our path. I think um, the more it creates like a, a vibration that, this is the new thing, like not the new thing, but this is okay. This We don't have to adhere to mm-hmm. what that was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your journey, you know, you, you went to university, you're like, wow, culture shock. There's so many like cultures in play. There's a lot of people, with different backgrounds and things like that. What was your thought process like right when you um, ended up in a more diverse um, community what were your thoughts and transitioning there yeah I think like when you're in the Asian community like I even when I went to school I went to a public high school and it was predominantly Asian and there were still other like cultures and stuff like that um, we were exposed but it wasn't like um, this predominant like um white culture like I didn't experience that so much in like when in my younger days and then when I went off to university I realized whoa we are like a minority but my (laughs) whole life growing up we were the majority you know (laughs) and so that's sort of like switching your brain and that assimilation and also like integrating into that environment where you're like the big fish in the little pond and all of a sudden you're the little fish in the big pond Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us we were um and especially myself I was like whoa culture shock you know um and yeah and then that was like another set of learning and like I think in a lot of instances what I witnessed was you can either like kind of crouch down and become smaller as a result or you can really like step into it and like embrace it and um yeah, I, I think it was definitely like a journey, so to speak, because you're having like this existential crisis, but you don't even know it at the time. Mm-hmm. Would you say that it's more like an identity piece? Like now that you are what in this visually, you're the minority now, did that change or think of what behavior, like, what did you, did you, did you have any tendencies like, oh, I want to wear a different mask or should I be myself or, you know, how I was in the Asian community? Who am I in this new space? What 
was your experience along with that when you go from something you're familiar with to that unfamiliarity environment? Oh, that's such a good question. Like, um, and I only have this in hindsight, you know, at the time I didn't realize I was doing this, but like looking back at it, I realized I was probably trying to prove that I was less Asian than I was. Like I was trying to prove that I was more Australian, more mm-hmm. white um, than I was because I was born and raised in, mm-hmm. like, I have all these things that are uniquely Australian about me and I felt like I had to kind of amplify that to fit in mm-hmm. right but at the time I had no idea I was doing that like I was surrounding myself with like friends like university friends who were like Caucasian like who were you know like um non-Asian and then I was hanging like yeah just like integrating in groups that were like non-Asian away from my community away from my like I guess, away from myself in some sort of ways, you know? Yeah. Did that naturally come because of like, did anyone make any comments towards you or that just was a natural thing that you started to, that just switched on your brain and you're like, oh, I got to, you know, uh, portray that I'm Australian and I belong here. I think it's a belonging thing. No one around me did that because all of my friends just stuck to the same social groups they had like their own networks and communities but also like I wasn't always so integrated in like the the social groups I was always like the black sheep of doing something else with uh, um, other things so I just kind of felt like wow um, I had to find belonging and I, I found belonging at that time in trying to fit in with you know, being Australian. It's so weird now that I think about it because I don't have such concepts like that now. Now I go off abroad and I'm just like, oh yeah, like I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Like whether you you think I'm Australian or if you think I'm Asian, whatever. Like I'm just, I don't even care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that perspective in because like for me, my experience is the opposite. Like I grew up as a minority my entire life. And I realized that I've been suppressing and by trying to fit in and belong because I experienced racism and, um, but just being unaware, but I've been suppressing a lot of that Asian side of my identity in order to try to fit in with, um, with the, with the culture. So it wasn't until later on in my life, like a couple, you know, five years ago where I, where I started dating Asian men that I was like, oh, wow. Like, I can't believe I've been suppressing this side of myself and, um, and because I could just clearly see like how an Asian American man was behaving and notice that I shut down some pieces of myself. So that was kind of like a, that realization to me where I was like, oh, wow, I've been racist towards myself <laughs> in order to, because a lot of the, the feedback and like the comments, the humiliation, the remarks turn into truth for me. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was just like, no one else was, you know, telling me, oh, different is good or different. It makes you um, is unique and it's special. It's just like, oh, why are you so weird? Or like, oh, why do you do this? That's so Asian. And there's kind of like that judgmental tone thrown at you, you know, when they make comments like that. So, um, but yeah, I'm always interested in, in hearing like 
oh, like, you know, when you finally realize when um, that culture piece shifts for you, the minority and, um, and the majority, right? So, and it's interesting because depending on where you are in the country, like some people don't even understand the concept of like what minority is. Like it's not even used in some places in the world. Like they, that's just not part of their language. They don't understand what it even means. Yeah, I love that. Something you said just resonated with me so deep and maybe like um, the suppression of your Asian-ness. Like I also experienced that though, like, you know, in this plight for belonging, I, I suppressed a lot of things about myself that I'm like, oh, that's so Asian, you know, like I love bubble tea for a long time. I had to hide my 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 love for it. Like, yes, yes. And, now, <laughs> and now I'm just like, where is it? Like I need it in my life, you know. Yes. But for a while I was just like a closet like person drinking bubble tea. And I was like, oh it's so Asian. And there would be other comments and like yourself, I realized I was being racist so, towards myself. I was rejecting parts of myself and when I realized that in my adult life I was like that is like how could I do that to myself like I'm better than that and I didn't realize how unique um being Asian was or like who I was until I left Australia mm. like until I traveled the world where I realized and I said this in um another podcast I was like I'm a unicorn but I didn't feel that like living in Australia and at the time in my younger days but it's now that I'm like yay like I'm riding this rainbow unicorn like it's so cool um and it helped me lean so much more into my Asian yeah and so I want to get into your travel and like how did your parents respond to you when you told them that you want to go to all these countries solo um on your own uh, I'm sure that that would raise some anxiety with my parents if I told them that but what was that response like from them when you told them what you were up to so I think I kind of drip fed them so the first um backpacking trip I did for only like three or four weeks um in Southeast Asia and I, I came back after that so they were like okay this is her time to travel alone we'll give her that time even though they were like really really worried right okay. and then um I got back and I was like okay low-key resigned from my job um and at the time I like you know I had a really good job it was paying well and I resigned from that and I said you know I couldn't even bring myself to actually tell them fully I had to kind of like drop, like drip feed them this information. And then when I finally told them, um, my dad was like, what do you mean? You just got back. Like, where you, why are you going? Haven't you had enough? Like in my dad's head, it was like, okay, you go. Now you come back. Now you're going to start your life. You're going to get this house. You're going to get married. You're going to do these things. And I was like, uh, no, I'm going to go. And it's like, when are you coming back? I, I don't know, you know? And that, like he lost it. He was just like, this is... He got to a point where he was like, fine, you do whatever you want. Like he became disassociated with it. But my mom, actually, she was super supportive. She actually bought me my one-way ticket. And she's like, I don't know how you're going to tell your dad, but I will buy this one-way ticket for you. And I think for them, my parents are really open-minded. So mm -hmm. I know they understood my need to like explore and find myself and they trusted me, but their fear of like you know what other people thought their fear of like obviously harm coming to me and their fear of like 
losing me was massive, but they had really had to like control themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I feel like my parents would just, the anxiety of them being like, oh, what do you mean? You don't know when you're coming back. It, like that question itself would just drive them nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And the, the thing that drove my, my parents, well, my dad specifically nuts was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to travel and see where it takes me. It's like, wait, what do you mean? What, where's your plan? Where are you staying? Give me the names of the hotels. Yeah. Let me know what dates you're going to be there in case something happens. And I was like, but I don't, I'm just going to stay at a hostel and I'll book it when I get there. And that's it. My dad was like, okay, this is too much for me. Like yeah. you have no control. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But in my head, I was like, well, I know this is the adventure I want to have. Yeah. Um, but you did travel and teaching too. So it was, were you bringing in some kind of income to support your traveling? For sure. I mean, I think the teaching was kind of why I was motivated to go. I wanted to see like education in just a different context. And because I was teaching in a public school and I was like, I just want to be like more broad as a teacher. So I'm just going to try something different. And um, so I went traveling first and with the intention of like experiencing teaching and then I landed a job and then I stayed for a little bit, but then I was, and then I was like, okay, now I have to continue on with my travels. So I kind of went off to Europe. I went off to Central America and then, yeah, like I went home for a year, but like through this whole time, my parents were like, what the hell is going on? I didn't always have contact with them because of the time difference. So it was very seldom that I called them. And I think for uh, like a period of two years, like there was very little communication. Yeah. 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 So with your journey from that seven year span on your spiritual journey, what was that biggest, what is the biggest takeaway from that, just that span for you? So many, (laughs) so (laughs) many. Give us the wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what I must say is that, um, you know, my relationship with my parents, like growing up, it was really sometimes difficult my parents were super open-minded but I didn't see that I always and I don't know if a lot of the listeners could relate to this like I was always defensive about how they like were responding to me like they were too strict they didn't understand me they didn't get it they they were too old school you know and I, I carried that a lot with me but amongst all my travels and all this time and right up until now it brought me back right back where I started with them and it is that they were so open-minded the whole time it was me mm-hmm. it was me the whole time that didn't have the scope it was me the whole time that thought that um they were pressuring me and it was me the whole time that didn't have the courage or the the kind of um you know capacity to stand on my ground and like stand my ground and be like no it's okay mom and dad I trust myself I got this you know the whole time I was like oh no and I was being really impacted by their words and how I was hurting them and this Asian daughter guilt this responsibility rah 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 but my biggest spiritual journey is coming home to that understanding that they are supportive they will always love me despite what they're saying and how they're feeling and I just need to know that deeply because as Asians, like Asian children, we're like, if I don't listen to them, they won't love me. 
yeah. I'm being a bad person if I don't follow their rules or um, their, their path or their vision for me, mm-hmm. right? We think that we won't be loved deeply. Yeah, um, yeah but what I realized was I, I was always loved um, and they were just caring so much for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a beautiful realization and breakthrough for you because uh, it's important to know, like to understand um, your parents' love language, you know, and, Mm. and even though verbally, it's not the way that we would communicate it as a, as a second or third generation, but there are subtle ways to kind of try to take something that they say and realize the true meaning and intent behind what they say. Cause they don't really mean exactly what they say. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately like that whole push of like, Oh, when are you settling down? When are you going to find love? All that is to them security in their mind, which is yeah. the love of, I just want my child to experience security and be happy because security mm. equals happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, they're in their minds, they're like, what can give me security? Higher education, you get married, you got a partner. So in case you mess up, you have a partner to help you there through it. You get a house, you have, you know, your your living situation taken care of. You always have something to come back to at mm. the end of the day. And so those things are just like so rooted in our minds as like, okay, this is security. And I just need to know that my kids have a plan for this type Mm. of security because that's what they try to fight for as someone that is new to a new country, trying to get them established. So yeah, so part of it is just like trying to understand like the the true meaning and intention behind the communication from your parents um, because of the different communication styles there. (laughs) For sure. And the intercultural like, misunderstanding because obviously we're culturally also a a bit different from our parents we're the same but we're also a bit different you know and um I think the journey for us to be um unraveling that in our minds and in our hearts it's like it can be difficult because it brings up a lot of things it challenges us to you know rise above what we thought something was like what they're saying as you know, oh, this whole time they're saying this, this, and this, but like unraveling that and realizing, wait, 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 what, what's in between the lines here? Yeah. Um, and that sometimes you, you, you can become stuck in the, like, cause I was stuck there for a little while, you know, when I was traveling and all that, I was stuck in this defense mode that my parents didn't ultimately, ultimately support me. And that's like, that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, and to throw it in, because I grew up in a, in um at ho- at home, I spoke Mandarin, and so throwing in to like another language into the mix, it gets really really lost. So <laughs> sometimes, yes. So that's what adds into another layer of just feeling stuck and not being able to read between the lines because perhaps you know your um interpretation or your language. Um, that your your parents speak fluently is maybe second grade or third grade level to you and you're not Mm -hmm. um, interpreting what you what they really mean to say so there is um, some homework for us to do and to reflect on um, especially when 
you know, you're, you're speaking, for instance, Chinese English or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So many like things can go wrong and like you, you're not using, like you're not fully being able to express yourself to the full degree because your vocabulary is limited in yes. your second language, so to speak, or it might even be your first, right? Yeah. And that that's the thing I learned also, like authentic expression in um, our second language. It's, I, I, even now, like I take the time to like, like have this conversation with my parents where I'm like, wait, do you understand what I'm saying? Like I need to, over explain myself in Vietnamese to make sure that you're actually fully understanding my full expression Mm -hmm. otherwise I don't want you to like misunderstand where I'm coming from Mm -hmm. um so that that's also another thing you know how we're able to express ourselves we could be limited sometimes yeah absolutely so I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up and and too because you know having being multicultural and having multiple languages like um, flow in your household, it can complicate things a lot. And perhaps, you know, maybe you just know English and your parents know limited English. And mm. now the vocabulary is even more limited. So there is definitely challenges um, for people, but there is um, hope in, in finding the intention of um, what is trying to be communicated across and really just giving your parents the benefit of the doubt that they want you to find your happiness. You know, there's a lot of um, behaviors that they do to try to control the situation, try to control you um, and things like that. But at the end of the day, we owe it to ourselves to be able to self-advocate for us to make our own decision of what is best for us, regardless of what our parents say or our family says um, about those decisions. So just practicing that muscle of like okay this is what's aligned with me and I'm gonna go for it you know like I um don't see that I could be happy in this type of path that like my parents have paid paved out for me I think there's more so um but being open to take that non-traditional way and it's okay to it's okay because the real the honest answer to you know what is the right path eventually it all leads us to where we need to be anyways so there's really no right or wrong answers and that's more of the spiritual like advice is you know even if you just even if you decide to do the non-traditional way at the end of the day if you make decisions from your aligned version yourself you will end up where you need to be Mm, I love that so much. I love that you're sharing that because that's such a huge message for like people to hear that like whatever feels aligned and feels good for you, go for that. That's going to ultimately lead you to your alignment and your best self when you're serving yourself, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now we're going to transition into your expert topic, uh, human design Can you please tell us what that is and um, we'll go from there. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, that's a loaded question because it's huge human design. It's actually a new, it's quite a new modality and um, 
it's basically like a self-awareness tool. You know how you've got um, the Maya Briggs, you've got Enneagram, you've got astrology, you've got so many things, so many tools we have available to us to help us understand ourselves and how to navigate or give us pointers on how to navigate ourselves in this world. So human design is basically a part science, part spiritual system. It's a combination of a lot of different systems. So it's a combination of astrology. So it kind of like captures the planetary alignments, the universal energy on the time, the place, and like um, the day that you were born. Um, it's um, based on also the I Ching. Have you heard of the Chinese I Ching? Do you know about it? Mm -mm. Can you tell us? Yeah, the Chinese I Ching, it's like 64 there are 64 um, hexagrams, so 64 combinations or 64, I say, human characteristics or personality traits. And back then, the Chinese astrologers or the fortune tellers would use this to um, kind of navigate like, you know, is this a good time or is this a good person to be doing business with? Um, is this the right timing for you, um, for your um, horoscope? Is this right for you? And it's based on like probability so basically 64 human traits it's also based on the hindu chakra system so how energy enters and exits your body or where in your body it does that um based on the tree of life so this understanding that everything is connected and rooted and there's a balance between mm -hmm. the dark and the light mm -hmm. and then it's also based on quantum physics so this idea of energy transfer Right, you know, sometimes when you're next to someone, you're like, whoa, this person is very intense. Like you're not even speaking to them, but you can feel that their energy is intense. There's a reason for that. Their aura is like this really strong impacting aura. So you can feel that, right? And um, so those are the things that um, human design is. Like it kind of meshes it all together and it's based on your date of birth, time of birth and place of birth. Once you enter that in, it turns out this um, blueprint, this map of you. You're the only person in the world with this blueprint. No one else, unless there's a, someone that's born the same time and place <laughs> and like to the minute, right? Mm. Not even your twin would have the same chart or blueprint as you. So what I do is I, I interpret this blueprint. So fascinating because you're incorporating that science and spirituality into it and also just back like um backgrounds of just really traditional like base like um well you mentioned like Chinese astrology and and um is it Hindu the chakra system yeah chakra system um that has been like written BC or <laughs> I don't know what time <laughs> yeah. frame before Christ I don't know um but aligning with those and and so my question back to you is like how did you get into this field of expertise like how has this changed your life um and go from there yeah so I was always into like the esoteric stuff I started off my journey um becoming certified um as a Reiki healer like energy work because I was just doing it like for myself in terms of like Reiki therapy and then um someone I, I was at a workshop one day and someone said to me hey um they said to me they could read my aura and like I, I was like okay I'm sold like just tell me more like I mean like you know and that's when I was introduced to this idea of human design because in the human design system 
it tells you your energy type. So what your energy type is, like what your aura is basically. And um, when I just learned about it, I, I was deep in already. I was in a rabbit hole. And for the first two years, I was just learning about my design, my blueprint, so to speak. And then I started progressing on learning about others and then getting certified. And um, yeah, it's really changed the way I operate. Yeah. It's helped me get into more alignment and it's made me feel more naturally me. And I feel so much more seen, not by anybody, but just by my, like I see myself so much more clearly. And with that, it's just empowered me so much to be like, right, I know the strategy I would need to manifest this. I know the strategy strategy I need to take to have this conversation with this person or whatever. Um, so it's just made everything so much more effortless for me. Cool. Wow. Wonderful. So I know I gave you some information about my chart and what I would like to do is like, um, as you go through it, but just giving the listeners an example of maybe, yeah, that confrontational example or the manifestation example, what I would need to do to accomplish what I want to accomplish by understanding my blueprint because I think that would help people to understand why they should get into human design Um, yeah so um for like so there are five energy types in the human design system um I'll just focus on your one and use that as an example for the listeners and also for yourself to you know like (laughs) enjoy as well (laughs) um so in the human design system we have manifestors generators manifesting generators projectors and reflectors you Kirsten you are a manifesting you know you're a pure generator oh no you're a manifesting generator okay so what that means as a manifesting generator I'm going to show you what your aura looks like okay so your aura is open and enveloping you've got an open and enveloping aura what that means is that like you just naturally attract and draw in things because you're always so open it's like it's like a magnet you know you're just like magnetizing all these things that are exactly right for you you can Mm -hmm. trust that right trust that your aura is so magnetic that things are going to come to you you don't have to push you don't have to initiate they will come to you um so that's your aura and then there's another thing called um the strategy right each type has like an energy type and a strategy. Now the strategy is done in congruence with your energy type because your energy type is open and enveloping. Your strategy is to respond. So you get to respond to life. You get to respond to all these things that are coming into your auric field, new job. Oh, I get to respond to that or new person get to respond to that new event. I get to respond to that. Oh, so your strategy (laughs) yeah is to respond I would love to have that strategy because it makes it so easy you just sit back and things come to you like you know they might not come at the the time that you want but rest assured they will come and you get to respond and the more you let go and you trust that it will come the the bigger the things the, the better the things that will come towards you and then you get to be like do I want that yes or no and for Yeah, and the thing, the beautiful thing about being a manifesting generator is that it's a very bodily response, right? Yes 
or no. You're either a hell yes or a fuck no. There is no in-between for you guys. If it's an in-between, if it's like, maybe I want to do that, maybe I like that person, maybe I want to go for that job, then don't even like go for it until you know it's a yes or a no. Yeah, I love that. I think I discovered that like a year ago because my pattern is like push, push, push um, because I've had to be in that mentality to survive. Mm -hmm. And and make things happen. But I realized that like whenever when I do step back and just trust that the universe will reveal what it needs to reveal to me, um, my blessings are bigger than I could ever even imagine. Like as soon as I just like let go and I just trust that like the the universe has my back. I mean, it's like it's it's a way better way to sit in that energy instead of thinking like the how the when the why's you know but just to Mm -hmm. like be present and and I have been working on my decision making skills too as well from not making decisions not from a place of fear but being like oh intuitively does this feel like a yes do I feel like I want to move forward or do I feel like a little hesitation um back so yeah that resonated with what you said I love that you said that because obviously you already tapped into your alignment right and your your decision making center we call it um the authority in human design we all have a different authority or intuitive decision making center some people make decisions from their heads right they need to logisticize their decision making process some people make decisions from their heart you know, what their heart feels, what are their desires? Some mm-hmm. people make it based on their emotions, you know, what they're feeling at the time. Some people mm-hmm. are fear-based decision makers. And as I'm saying this, like these correlate with each like body part or center in the human design um, body chart. Kristen, you are a sacral decision maker. So you make decisions, well, your decisions should be made from your gut that instinct, that immediate gut instinct, right? So if I were to say to you, hey, let's go on a trip and your gut is like saying no, immediately you're like, I don't have time for that. But then your head is saying, oh, but I have the funds, I should go. Oh, but they're such a really good friend. I don't want to say no to them. And I think I'll have a good time. Yeah, That's not going to lead you to your full alignment because you're thinking Mm -hmm. your way through it, right? For you, it's just really guttural, like your body, the thing about like generators and manifesting generators is your body will tell you. So earlier you said, oh, should I go forward or should I go back? It's like a really bodily response. If I were to say to you, do you like this person and you don't really like them and your body tenses up, you feel like this constriction in your body, that's when you know your body is telling you no. But when there is this expanse, you're like, oh, yeah, my body feels light. It feels open to it. That's a yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I'm happy that like kind of led into um, the decision making uh, piece, too, as well, because I think I'm so conditioned to train um, to think logistically through all my decisions. So it takes me a little bit of practice to start listening intuitively and pay attention to my body on um, which, which way to go. Um, cause I, so, I'm still pretty stuck in my head there, but that's. We yeah. all are like, so I think 79% of us, um, have this head center 
this crown center open, right? Oh. It's open okay. for a majority of the human population. And you can feel that already because we're taught to, that's why we're always thinking our way through overthinking. We've got to make sure we're making the right decisions from this place. Oh. But it's because this, this area is open and we're open to conditioning and like absorbing the external world, absorbing the media, absorbing what other people are thinking and saying about us, right? But the more you tap into your actual authority, and for you it's a sacral, the more you exercise that muscle, the more you listen to your gut, the stronger it becomes and the more in alignment it's going to get you. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for confirming that. I'm going <laughs> to make that a mental note to keep practicing that. <laughs> yeah. Experiment with it. I, I always encourage my clients, you know, when they first come across their chart, I'm just like, don't even like come back to me after, like, just come back to me in a month's time. Experiment, try this out. Mm -hmm. for a month 30 days that's all I'm asking for and let me know how it goes and usually clients come back and they're like whoa like I want to know more like what's the next level like I think I've like got the hang of this what's the next layer I can add on to this mm -hmm. um so it's super powerful this area here this is your sacral see how it's shaded it means that mm -hmm. you have consistent energy in this area so you have consistent energy here and you have consistent energy in your throat so these are all the centers in the human design body graph there are nine energy centers this is where energy enters and exits your body right where it's not shaded okay the shapes where it's not shaded it means that you're open and receptive so that's where you're absorbing your external world See how earlier I was talking about your head, you're absorbing the thoughts of others, you're absorbing the ideas of others and your external world. Likewise with the emotions, right? Sometimes you might not be emotional about something, but then, you know, you could be absorbing the emotions of the collective or the emotions of, you know, um, your partner or someone close to you because they might be feeling emotional or something like that. Um, and you could easily mistake in that for yourself because you're like, absorbing that from them mm -hmm. in these areas where you have consistent energy like you, you, it's reliable and you have always access to them so your sacral and this is the spleen this is the center for like intuition instincts fight or flight so you have consistent access to this intuitive knowing and you were talking about that earlier like I'm, I'm leaning more into following my intuition right mm -hmm. you have consistent energy there you have access to that so mm -hmm. you can always lean back on that as well gotcha okay and then like the throat piece is that just great communicator or something like that <laughs> the throat piece is one of the best pieces to have because in the human design chart all these channels all these energy lines are trying to reach the throat the throat is the place to be like all these lines all the energy is trying to get to the throat and this is because the throat is the center for communication expression right self-expression expression of ideas expression of emotions right um, communication but also it is like they call it the center for manifestation you cannot really make anything happen if you can't bring yourself out you know and share yourself with the world express your ideas and communicate it to the world so when you have consistent access to that you have consistent access on how you 
express your creative ideas and energy. Mm, okay. So what yeah. does like the red and black lines mean? Yeah, good question. So the red and the black lines correlate with this side of the chart. So this side is your personality side. They call it the conscious side. So if you know um, astrology, we call it unconscious and unconscious uh, and unconscious, sorry. And the black lines is based on the time and date and place you were born now right this lifetime the red side maps out the 88 days before the time place and date you were born and it is believed that this is 88 is very a very auspicious number as you would know for um in our culture right um but it is believed three months before 88 days before it is when your soul and if you believe in reincarnation um i do is when your soul enters your physical body in your mom's womb 88 days so this is your conscious the personality that you were given this lifetime and then the red is the personality traits that you had from previous lifetimes it's your soul's personality it's unconscious it makes sense because like I do believe that too as well how like the soul recycles back into um and then we you know we pick our parents and things like that we're all (laughs) put on um earth to have some kind of a mission or something um that we're trying to achieve before our time ends here on earth and it gets cycled back into a new uh assigned to a new body in this mm-hmm. world so I understand that I was just trying to figure out the correlation from the previous um the soul characteristics versus the characteristics now to see if um like what's different the black because it's what you have right now in this reality right but mm-hmm. somewhere along your life right and depending on your experiences and stuff like that this lifetime you're going to be start resonating with this side because your soul is going to start remembering this is who i was these are the characteristics this is like the other side of me as well and it just like as you progress through your life these these themes come up so that's why we're both black and red so see here how you've got see this um 34 to 20 it's the channel of charisma you're highly charismatic right I don't know you but I can see from your chart you're very highly charismatic person and this is it's because it's red it's coming your soul has had this characteristic within Mm -hmm. it um you've carried that through right and the red ones you it might not be conscious to you right now because it's something your soul has had before but you will tap into that you will lean into that you will come into that Mm. eventually because that's a part of you gotcha yeah because there's like some the paths there is some crossover like um the like this one yeah like that one and even the one at the bottom left too like how the there's two lines and then the one line that's going that's yeah so when it's um red and black it means you you have that that's what you were designed to have this lifetime and what you you were designed to have last lifetime see how gate 44 and remember these numbers um are based on the chinese Ching. remember how early on the chat we were like oh um the the 64 gates there are 64 numbers and they correlate with the 64 I Ching. 
And so if you have a look at gate 44, you have this characteristic, okay, now and before, like mm. in your previous life, your soul's character. Gotcha. As okay. well. Yeah. And they all correlate with the planets. Um, so here you've got sun, earth, your north node, your south node, your moon, Mercury, Mars, and etc. And so if you go to, let's say your sun, okay, 21, in gate 21. So 21 is in the ego. Can you see that there, gate 21? And the sun is makes up 70% of your personality. Um, let me find what gate 20, I had it up here. Gate 21, oh, you're going to love this, is the gate of the hunter or the huntress. That is 70% of your personality, right? And I'm going to read this to you. Oh, can you see? Oh, you probably can't see. So this gate is designed to thrive in the material world. At your highest frequency, you are in control of the situation without pushing or forcing your authority. There is more power in restraint than an outburst and show of force. So think of like the characteristic of a hunter or a huntress. You're very like careful you're not going to go and like scare off the hunt you know what mm -hmm. I mean you're very tactical strategic and really um responding to your environment and then like navigating yourself so that you can um manifest or like capture your prey so like in a metaphorical term yeah yeah I I love do you feel that, that? does I that resonate with you because I have no idea what your personality <laughs> is. I feel like it it definitely resonates with me. I want to share something with you because each gate has its um, the highest expression, right? The highest self, which we call the city. And then you've got the gift, which is where we're, where we're always trying to reach. And then you've got the shadow, so the darkness of each gate. So for gate 21 specifically, your sun gate, the huntress, your shadow is control. Oh my so when God. you're controlling... Awesome things when you're trying to control micromanage whatever that's when you know you're in the shadow state of this huntress mode right your personality your gift is authority right having that authority but it's not like a um, aggressive authority is a deep knowing of like wait I know what I'm doing I am the leader here kind of authority right you can trust me to be the hunter of you know the chief basically and then the city, which is the gift. And when you said Mulan, I was like, whoa, it's valor, right? And so this high kind of like, um, think of, you know, when you've finished, like an army's gone out and you've come back and you've got all this victory, but it's not like bad victory. It's like celebrated. It's like, wow, prestige kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so at any given time, we are oscillating between the gift and the shadow states of um, of these gates in our personalities and we're always trying to go for the gift right we want to be the best person we can but sometimes we slip into the shadow and that's when you know oh my god I'm not in alignment because I'm in my shadow state yeah absolutely I you're hitting you just know me so well because one of I, the, see you going. <laughs> I was like the literally the thing that I am working on right now is the control the control piece and it's like the grip, especially when um if somebody sometimes when things don't go the way that I've expected, it's like it was it's so like shocking to me sometimes. I think I kind of process 
the grief or whatever, I kind of just, my natural tendency is just control more of what's around me so that I don't experience any more disappointment or mm. um, heartbreaks or upsets or anything in my life. So I just kind of, that's my natural tendency. Is uh, girl, I, I, I resonate. I, I feel you. I feel you. We got, I think that's like a, a generational, like not trauma, but generational thing that's been passed on to us, right? Because it's this sense of like, I need to be able to predict what's going on so that I'm not struggling um, in any sort of way, whether it's like a mind struggle, physical struggle or whatever. So Mm -hmm. in order to manage that, I've I've got to control the situation. Um, But like I said earlier, your natural aura is attracting everything that you need that's right for you. So if it's not happening, it's because it's not meant for your alignment you know, and trusting that. Um, The other thing with being a manifesting generator and this idea of responding is that the control thing is such an internal thing, right? Could you, would you attest to that? Like that control comes from like an internal thing of trying to like not feel the pain or the result of being out of control. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So for manifesting, you're responding Earlier, I was like, okay, you get to respond to this. It's always an external source. Something external is going to come to you and you're going to get to respond and that's in your alignment. But if that source that you're responding to is coming from within you, right, that's, that is not in so much your alignment. Mm-hmm. So wait for those external cues. You know, someone saying something, you get to respond. Someone like an email sent out to you, oh, it's in my power now. I get to respond to this yeah. rather than being like, hey, I need answers right now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think, yeah, I, I need to re- I need to receive what's going to happen. I think it's just like jumping the gun, the anticipation mm-hmm. of trying to figure out all the possibilities that's going to happen. It's just a lot of wasted energy. So yeah, I definitely. Yeah. It's natural that. though. It's a survival mechanism. Like we all have that, you know, like it's, it's how we learn to survive. So we're, we're kind of like um, not preventing or like all the chaos that's about to come. But I also want to share now, I don't know this, but manifesting generators are known to be very multi-talented, multi-diverse and multi like have multiple interests. So the way I explain it to my clients is manifesting generators would have like 30 tabs open in their lives. <laughs> like in life, they have 30 tabs open. Um, can you resonate with that? Is that you? Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm I'm going, let's see. So I uh, recently just like got back into painting because I like saw something <laughs> on Instagram about like painting your pet portrait so I was like hmm, I think I can do this myself so I, I like signed up for swim lessons because I felt insecure about my swimming so I committed to a new swim program this month so yeah I I say that I do a lot um, compared to other people or have committed to a lot of interests or hobbies compared Mm, to I love that that's completely within your design I thought I'd share that because a lot of manifesting generators like come and they're like oh I can never finish something I'll start something but I can never finish it people think I have too many things on but I like it and a lot of people think I should just focus on one thing or a few things but I've got like 10 things that I like to do and for manifesting generators it's totally within their design to like just have 
all the things because you guys are very multi-interested, you know, and very multi-dimensional beings. And that's what you're here to do as a manifesting generator. You're here to show us that there is another way. You don't have to stick to this one track pony kind of situation. You don't have to just be a lawyer. You can be like a lawyer, a podcaster, this person or that person. You can be anything at any given time. And you guys model that and it gives the rest of us permission to be like, oh, I can explore more things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, Did you already mention, like, going back to like the channels and the numbers, did you mention like what the brainwave is and what power? Ah, no, I will go into that. So it's so funny because like I did a reading the other day and she had the exact same kind of situation here. And she was also a manifesting generator. So Gate 20 and gate 34, when they come together, they make the channel of charisma, right? Gate 57 to 20 here is um, the channel of the brainwave. So this is raw. It's coming out from this intuition center here, right? And it's going up to this manifestation center, the throat center, expression, communication. So you have raw, intuitive insights access to that and you are able to adequately express that and bring that out into the world all from and intuition all from intuition and insight it's like a knowing and this knowing is not a knowing that's like in the future or in the past it's in the present moment it's very present moment so you can rock up and you know be presented with something and you're like no, that smells fishy. I'm not into that. You know, and you can, you have the capacity to um, identify that and you have the capacity to also say no, um, not having it. Yeah, amazing. That's good. That's a lot of power. Yeah, because, you know, like we take it for granted, you know, because we might be like people who are like, you know, effective communicators and stuff like that. But sometimes a lot of people, they might, have this intuitive feeling they might have the exact same gate 57 mm-hmm. right but they don't have the throat the 20 so they find it very difficult to express their intuitive knowing mm-hmm. right and so they just keep that to themselves but they're right. and they're always trying to find ways to express that um but for you it just comes naturally yeah I can express it I'm going to jump on and like have a chat about it on a podcast with someone you know because <laughs> I feel and yeah, I feel the intuitive need. I feel that this needs to be heard right now in this time, right? So I'm going to jump on and like have this podcast. So yeah, what was the other one? Power, 34 in here to 57, okay? The, ch- the power channel. And this is like the desire to take instant action, right? It's very like coming from the sacral. It's guttural right and you just act like you have the capacity just go for and take action right um and this can be like a bit juxtaposing what we spoke about earlier about waiting to respond so there are many nuances we're very complex human beings you know we're dark and we're light and so you have this energy this unconscious energy from your previous self your soul right that's like whoa I see something, I want to take action, I want to go for it. But then part of your, your 
present reality energy is to wait to respond and that, that's why you're like wait what am I doing you know what's the alignment for me um but actually this the power one is it's really powerful gate 34 is really powerful to have because it's basically the gate of power and um yeah you just have the power the energy the creative energy and the the oomph I say to make it happen for yourself would you suggest for you know someone that's like okay I'm trying to invite more feminine energy and qualities into my life but obviously my chart is like you know it's very mm. predominantly and masculine what do you do with that information especially like with relationships? I love that question um and I think it's going back to your um your type your strategy and your authority those are the baselines right if you need to know anything about human design those are the base things that you can always fall back on to navigate these things so your type manifesting generator open and enveloping aura um your strategy your strategy is to wait to respond so you know the idea of waiting and responding that's a hugely feminine energy if you think about it mm -hmm. right because you're sitting back you're responding and you're allowing you're receptive to whatever's coming into your energy that's a feminine vibe okay and then um responding to whatever is coming that's also really feminine if you want to look at it that way so although you have all this um structuredness and um logic and all that like as a part of your design you're also really feminine by energy as well mm. and uh -huh. i have to preface by saying like these arrows the the top left is about like your determination so the way you receive information the way you eat and drink information in your external world needs to be structured. That your environment needs to be structured. Your motivation and your perspective is structured, but your actual aura and energy as a manifesting generator is really responsive and feminine. You already have this dark and light kind of balance within your chart. We all do. That is so cool because I like it's interesting, like um, some of the information that is more detailed also plays into the chart. So I'm happy that you were able to um, make those qualities like stand out and have people to understand like the the yin and um, and yang balance to that mm. incorporates like human design and things like that incorporates. And in. so um, so I'm happy that you pointed that out too because yeah a lot of people can be stuck when they find out okay I'm this one type and I'm stuck in this type but I'm like no we're way more complex as human beings you're going to have other aspects that kind of like con contradicts that type like the masculinity with the structure and then like the flow and receptiveness of your strategy right and I always try to get people to understand that you're not locked in you're very multicolored and multi-layered and you have to be open to seeing and recognizing where those um tones exist within your your human design chart or exist within yourself um the other thing that you were asking me about is determination and cognition so you have a left facing arrow in this um determination um i do too and that means our brain's active right and so when we're taking in information 
the way that it's activated is that we like taking in information um, in a calm environment, mm. right? So you, I don't know about you, I also have a calm determination and that means to me that I don't like being out at a cafe doing my work. I don't like music. I don't like the TV on. I just like quiet. The environment needs to be calm um, for me to do work, but also for me to eat. And this is the same for you. So if you're eating on the go, or if you are like um, standing up while you're having dinner, it's not conducive to your digestion. Mm. You need to be calm, sitting down and just still and like enjoying the food. Yeah, that's something I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just know that if you're receiving energy in that way, in a calm way, it's so good for your nervous system and your digestion. Mm. The other thing is smell. Um, so your authority is your sacral and then your, you know, your intuition, you have access to this, but it's also your sense of smell. So not only smell in terms of like essential oils, but metaphorically, you can smell when something is up. So the example I use is you walk into a dinner party, you and I go into a dinner party and the moment you go in and you're like sniffing the room out, well, you don't even have to talk. This is your intuitive instinct. So you don't have a talk. You're just, you know, sniffing around. You know something's up. Right? You're like, okay, something went down here. There's a bit of tension in the room. I don't have that. My um, cognition is taste. So mm -hmm. we can go to the same party and I won't know anything's wrong until we sit down and I taste the room. I taste the people. I have to talk to them and in order to understand, okay, there's a bit of tension in this party today this dinner party whereas you can just walk in and take a whiff and you're like oh there's a vibe here mm. Mm, interesting I haven't made that connection yet with the smell but I I do know I do not smell good food though and that usually attracts, <laughs> that attracts me in too <laughs> yeah to fair room. enough <laughs> um and then your environment. Um, so I don't know what you do for work, but the environment that best makes you thrive for work or for anything is a markets environment. So this is also metaphorical. This is kind of like, um, imagine like, so markets are places where you go to exchange energy, right? There's an exchange of service that, that's going on in a market. There's multiple different things. You know, there's the grocery, there's like, I don't know, tarot reading, there's the fruit. There's lots of different things happening at a market. There's variety, which you love, right? And you love that exchange between people and things. Um, that's the environment that's like conducive to you being in the most alignment. What do you do for work? <laughs> Um, I am in field sales, so I basically sell like products and services to manufacturing plants, to my manufacturing plants. Yeah. And do you sell them to different types of manufacturing plants or it's just one? Yes, yeah, it's a different type. So I have like 15 accounts. Yeah. Yep. And I've never, yeah. every day is different and I do my work from home and I go and see my customers. So yeah. That makes so much sense. It's always like dynamic and bustling and there's always things going on and you're always interacting, right? Yes, definitely a lot. Perfect. It's like I, I stop in, you know, someone's office. I'm going to be on the plant floor. I'm I'm stopping in like multiple places and yeah. 
that makes sense yeah that's amazing um what I really want to just really touch on really quickly before we have to end is that um see here the themes so as a manifesting generator um there are two signs that your body gives you or like your your energy gives you to let you know if you're in alignment or out of alignment okay so when we call it the not self theme the shadow self or whatever that not self theme in human design is frustration anytime you are feeling frustrated with yourself with someone else with work whatever that's where that's your body's like alarm bell saying yo we are out of alignment here we're feeling frustrated this is not good for our energetic body we need to get out of this frustration because it's we're out of alignment here mm -hmm. um and this sign that you are in alignment right they call it the signature in human design is satisfaction so when you are deeply feeling satisfied with um you know a presentation at work satisfied with a conversation satisfied with like a meal that's when you know ah oh, that's so in alignment for my soul and my body because i'm so satisfied and satiated with what i've just done aware I think you have that awareness that oh you can identify that is the feeling right um and now you know when it comes up you're like whoa this is not for me I'm out of alignment here I need to I need to get back to satisfaction mode I need to get back into alignment so that my energy is like from a place of calm and I can attract the right things because if you're in frustration mode and anger mode nothing is going to come into that auric field the way it's naturally supposed to Mm -hmm. beautiful thank you Jen so much for going so in detail with this chart and uh, I want to share with my listeners how people can find you if they're interested in getting this map done and maybe doing call with you to get an overview of human design where can they reach you yeah so my website is jenlalaluna.com or um, my Instagram handle is also jenlalaluna and if you click on the link in the bio there there are some free resources and also um, yeah you can book a reading if you want there or if you just want to find out some more um, do shoot me a DM and I'm happy to respond so yeah yes well thank you so much it's such a gift and a blessing for you to um, read my chart it was a lot of fun and I feel like it I learned some new things and also um, reinforce some knowledge and things like that that I I know I needed to to work on and so um, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your journey and upbringing and and goals of helping other Asians um, living their more their most fulfilled life thank you thank you so much for having me on what a pleasure Yes, yes. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. We will catch you all next week.